Kiki Mama Ma. Welcome back to the Masters of Horror as told by the Cult Film Showdown. I am Jim Cotta hosting this little side trip into the 2005 to 2007 series Masters of Horror, and I am joined by Nick Boxer. Hello, I am definitely not also texting on my phone right now. <laughs> I don't see or hear the sound of a of a keyboard, so I'll go yawn. Well, I th- I thought it was inappropriate to say I do not have one hand on my balls right now, but <laughs> so I switched out phone. But thank you for calling me out on that. I think you just say yeah. that all the time. I do not have. Now one I'm all embarrassed. Balls. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? Well, I don't have one hand on my balls, <laughs> which which leaves the options open for zero or two or more. jack hall is also here and since i have two hands guaranteed both are on the balls i mean why would i only put one on why would i only just choose to put one hand on my balls when i have two available you got two balls i mean I mean, I'm not eating at the same time as I have a hand on the balls. Where I would need one hand would be busy. See, no, no, no. You can you, you can use one hand. Use a straw. Just you can eat and have two hands busy. Yeah, that's true. You have a smoothie, two hands on the balls. Smoothie, mm-hmm. two hands on the balls is is that's what I want in my epitaph. That's that's <laughs> I want that. <laughs> On my gravestone. Anyways, since this episode is already falling off a cliff, what are we talking about here today? (laughs) We're talking about Masters of Horror Season 2, Episode 5, John Carpenter's One Hand of My Balls. Uh, It's John Carpenter's Pro-Life uh, which is uh, it's our second John Carpenter. Uh, he did uh, he did an episode last season that we uh, enjoyed, and we are into uh, Pro Life, which aired in uh, early two thousand seven. Um, and uh, we're in the we're in the home stretch of episodes. Uh, this is six. Yeah, it's John Carpenter. You know, you're not gonna like you're you're saying master the horror, and you're trying to sometimes you're trying to predict. Uh, who's going to be a master of horror, uh-huh. you know, and you're not going to get them all right. Sometimes you're just going to go out there with a the kid, give him a shot like John Carpenter. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't know anything of him before. You don't know anything <laughs> of him after. No, I mean, John Carpenter is what, uh, I'm not sure for me. I think I'd have him as the number one horror director, maybe of all time, but he's certainly, he's top 10 for sure. Top five for most people. I think uh, yeah. maybe top one. Like he's he's up there. You you talk about Argento. You talk about Wes Craven and a few others. James Whale maybe, but but uh, you know I mean he's he's yeah. definitely in the conversation. So, what? No no shout out for Drew McWeeny, my favorite ain't it cool news reviewer <laughs> from back in the day. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what I know the nope. name from. <laughs> not not a no lot of shout credits, out but, at all. Uh, uh, did it did an episode of Fear itself too, which is the follow up of uh, of this, and that's about it. Um, you mean we're back to Sean? Did 
No, Drew McWeeney had uh, wrote an episode okay. of Fear Re- Itself. Rebecca Shaw also did a, an episode of that had nothing to do with John Carpenter of Fear Itself, but has not okay. done a whole ton of other work. Okay. Either. A little bit, a little bit, but not much. All right, so there's there's our masters, and there's I, there's there's one more that uh, there's an actor that really should be. Uh, oh yeah. Well, really we'll goes. get into him because. He's <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right, Nick, tell us what happens in pro-life. All righty. Um, this whole thing takes place at a abortion clinic compound in the wilderness, which is perhaps the oddest thing in this movie. Um, we get a young girl who is running away from something and is saved by some abortion clinic workers who take her into the compound. Only to be followed by her father and family. Um, We then start a never-ending debate with the father about the rights and wrongs of abortion. And you can definitely tell this is sort of a politically motivated script. Um, There's not a lot of room for debate. Um, Most of the horror comes from Ron Perlman doing his awesome being his awesome self as a redneck hick in Oregon and his family as they raid the coupon, uh, the compound. Um, and it turns out, yes, indeed, the baby is Satan's son or daughter or something like that. But that has very little to do with the actual scariness. Most of the scariness comes from just the human element, I think. I did enjoy this, so it's definitely pro-life, though. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I love this episode. Ron Perlman just commands the screen every time he's on there, yeah. like few other actors can. Not everybody in this is a good actor. Um, not everybody gives a good performance, but he is so magnetic. Um, it, you know, in his role, that I mean, uh, I was, I, I, I enjoy, cigarette burns was a good episode, but if I'm to pick between the two John Carpenter Masters of Horror episodes, I'm easily picking this one, this one, and largely because of, of Ron Perlman. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of meat to this episode, uh, and uh, just yeah, the way that Perlman. Uh, he just he starts uh, like, when he's introduced. It was interesting. I was watching it and, and with uh, with my wife, and when he's introduced, everyone reacts really quickly and like, well, like why are they? Because like, I I assumed that she uh, that he followed the girl to the clinic, um, and I'm like, well, why are they so scared of this guy? The second he shows up, they don't even know who he is, and then you find out they do know who he is because. He's been around a lot. There's a restraining order against him, and he's he's a threat from the time he enters, from the time he enters our story, and just starts from a high level and then escalates as the whole as the story plays out. His uh, introduction is good too, where you just it, they're just talking the window of a van. You don't even see Ron Perlman. Yeah, when he and it takes him forever to roll down that window, so. There's a certain gravitas to just his entrance. 
that's a great reveal yeah yeah and hopefully i mean i didn't know he was in the episode i didn't look that up beforehand i tend to look up after i watch mm-hmm. it so i can get the fresh experience right. and his reveal was like oh my god it's from Perlman. like <laughs> you know just like a a, a shot of uh, electricity and excitement that that just like okay was it's already john carpenter and now ron perlman's in it just like bang you know <laughs> oh, i love it yeah and it's uh yeah it uh it escalates very very quickly um so uh yeah we we find this we find uh angelique on the she runs out in front of the car that just happened that uh, is two doctors that work at the clinic or a doctor and a nurse that work at the clinic and uh, so they they take her because they just think she's been harmed who and by the way just the banged and in a in a in a in a subplot <laughs> that means nothing i i love yeah that's how they are introduced is that they spent the night together and they don't know if they should tell anyone at work and then that never comes up again no <laughs> it is just it is such a because <laughs> they, they they don't even like there's not even a particular uh, thing of them having like run like protecting each other or anything later in the episode <laughs> so like, there's there it pays off in absolutely no way which is amazing <laughs> yes it has that scene to do is with weird anything. though because i mean the girl jumps in front of this car and immediately they jump out and go, let's get her in the car. There's there's barely any, like, are you all right? What's going on? <laughs> no, let's just, I thought they were kidnapping her. We don't have that kind of time. Well, so. they do say she seems to be uh, somewhat, what was it they used? Not traumatized, but. Uh, in shock. She's I out think. of it. Yeah, in shock. She's out of it. She's in shock. Let's get her to the clinic and see. I don't think at that point they even know that she's necessarily pregnant. I think that it's just like, okay, we almost killed her. She's in shock. Let's just get her in and and see how she's doing. You know, you'd think you have a lower like lower tolerance of shock if you've been raped by Satan. <laughs> I think you should be over it. <laughs> I think it's just a demon. I don't think. Uh, you know, if it was Satan, I think that would be traumatizing. When it's just a demon, uh, he had you horns. Know. <laughs> he did have horns. Yeah, that's one of the things about this episode that is there's shouts out out to some of John Carpenter's other work. There's a shout out, like I say, kind of to Prince of Darkness, to to uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, to mm. oh yeah, thing. yeah. When you, you know? mention it, it's yeah that that. Uh, yeah, that bit of siege, of uh, the siege part is really, because uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that that's where it was going, and then all of a sudden it's uh, like, oh, okay, it's it's that kind of story. I didn't know that's what we were getting, um, that they're laying siege to this hospital. Um, yeah, that they that the clinic is eventually clinic. Yeah, the decision is made to go inside the clinic and get the daughter. Yeah, uh, because before the before the. Uh, task of termination of like Ron Perlman's character he goes and prays and and says God speaks to him and tells him to go in and get his daughter out mm-hmm. before the the uh, abortion occurs to save the child not knowing of course the child is actually these a demon's kid you know and evil 
right? So he's willing to do anything he can do, including taking his three sons and putting them in uh, jeopardy because the head doctor of this clinic is heavily armed himself in, in fear of exactly this situation. Mm-hmm. has has uh, multiple firearms and a uh, you know bulletproof vest and is deciding to protect the clinic and protect what it is so uh he, you know Perlman's character takes the three children uh, his three sons puts them in danger except for one son who says he doesn't have it in him um but uh turns out he does let's just say <laughs> I was waiting for the uh, there's there's too much of your mother in you line uh, that never came for that that well, the uh, the less the less gun toting uh, um, son. <laughs> but they, they, I I think they did sort of Ron Perman did get across that he loved his sons in that scene. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like he loves his kids. That's the thing. He might love his daughter the most. You know, I I, I think that's. Kind of the whole point is that his daughter. No, the, the whole apple point of was eye. the headshot, man. That was gruesome. I loved it, <laughs> dude. That was crazy. Oh, the gun to the security guard's head. Boom. Yeah, that was well a well done special effect because that looked that was graphic and like I don't know, really well done. Yeah, as, I mean, as, you rarely see somebody shot in the head and brains go like. Fuck everywhere. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. That does it escalates quickly. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened to the other two people. Like, there is some other people also there for an abortion. They escape. Uh, one of them doesn't make it. I don't know what happens to the other two. But one thing I will yeah. say for this episode is everybody who kind of deserves to get it gets it everybody who's kind of a, a bit of a prick and, and unlikable gets it whereas everybody who's kind of more on the likable side is is more likely to survive hmm. I, there's uh there's there's a credit that the the girl who plays angelique uh who uh looks about uh, 28 playing 15. Uh, she was actually uh, uh, only around 18, 19 at the time. Uh, she's playing 15, though. Um, she was born in 89, so she would have been, like, what's that, 18 um, at that time. Uh, I th- There's one credit she has that I think would have changed the entire episode for me. Uh, she was uh, she was Penny in Inspector Gadget 2. And oh, uh, I... <laughs> I have such a childhood picture of uh, of Penny Inspector Gadget's niece uh, from the cartoon that I think she would have seemed so much more um, <laughs> at risk. I, I would have been, uh, I, I think I, I would have been in the place of protecting her in any way I could if I knew it was Penny from. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what you get for not watching Inspector Gadget 2, only watching Inspector Gadget. That's right. You're like sitting yeah. there. You you said you said to yourself, you're like, what what is it, Spectre Gadget? That's uh, uh, what was it? The guy from Ferris Bueller was it? Is that that who was his character Gadget in the first one? What's his name? It was Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick wasn't the first Broderick. one. 
Uh, and when Sean Hayes, I think, was in the second one then as uh, Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Matthew Broderick had done producers and then didn't want to come back. It was French Stewart, uh, the second one, which French actually Stewart. there you which, go, which actually will French add it to Stewart my queue. I, I French Stewart, other Sean Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> I I absolutely love French Stewart. So, yeah. all right, all right. So, oh God, we need to get Sean Hayes some business card or French Stewart some business cards. To <laughs> say the other Sean Hayes, discount Sean Hayes. What if that. what if Sean Hayes, but his eyes are really narrow? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean uh, the special effects in this were pretty good, considering getting the low budget. Um, you know, the man yeah. getting the abortion—I don't think they pulled that one off completely. That's a weird. I mean, it's a weird section because it's gross, but also like. As I'm watching it, they, it's basically a torture scene where, like, he finally, where Ron Perlman finally gets a hold of the guy that runs the clinic, who he's been having all these problems, these confrontations with, and uh, decides to, to, uh, yeah, perform uh, an abortion on a man. Perform an abortion <laughs> on him. <laughs> Speaking of balls, so he has uh, to make his own hole first. That's right. That's right through the taint is where he's going, yeah. Yeah, but when they cut to the, like, <laughs> suction machine and they just show, like, a drink machine <laughs> with red stuff churning in it, <laughs> it was disappointing. Oh, what an episode. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but it, oh, that, yeah. that section takes so long, and you're like, up till this point, Ron Perlman has been laser-focused on getting to his daughter. And then, like, he's, that's the, like they start into the, the torture part, and like, she's only, like, two rooms away. Like, how... <laughs> you seem to well, have lost track of your schedule. Giving birth and he can't hear her. She, she can't. She can't hear her screaming, giving birth from two rooms away. So you, you know, like good, like good job on the sound of soundproof rooms. Oh yeah, really impressive. Yeah. Now I don't know much about abortion clinics, but there's something weird going on because I mean this place seems huge. It's in the wilderness. It's an abortion clinic. Is there a lot of abort? Like, did they build this just for his family or something? It it yeah, feels like a lot it's of a abortion clinic in the middle of the in the middle of nowhere in, in Vancouver, like in the middle like a, of BC. If I think my my take on it was that it was more of a private clinic. Um, because uh, it, it's also gated in the cities because no one even thinks just call the cops. Is it supposed to be in Portland, by the way? Was that know, where it, it was supposed they, to be? I don't know whether they do. The only thing I think they tell you is Lincoln County, but I think there's probably a Lincoln County in every state. Uh, the license plate is okay. Oregon in the on the okay. van. Oregon. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, what I'd like to know is 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 it taking place in 2007 or is this? Is the technology we're seeing from like uh, 1992? Because uh, in 2007, the fact that they cut off the phones and uh, there's like 12 <laughs> people in the clinic and not one owns a cell phone. Even like, a, uh, what if they're gonna phone the police? Oh, I know. We'll cut. We'll have them cut off the phones. That'll make it. That'll that'll make it. 
Water. Oh God, I didn't even catch that. That's right. The, the clinic head who has a bulletproof vest and uh, and two Glocks uh, does not have a even uh, does not have a cell phone of any sort. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you could have worked through that uh, emergency plan a little further. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think that the doctors who are driving this super expensive car and everything like that, maybe you wouldn't have a cell phone. I don't know. I sometimes uh, I feel like every horror movie should be, should be put, I placed it about 1998. I think and so. Just, I think just, so. just from now on, every, every horror movie takes place in the late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometime in the late nineties before you have full access, like full internet, um, before everyone has the web, um, before uh, everyone has a cell phone. And uh, after about every other useful bit of uh, technology comes along. Uh, yeah, pretty much after 1990, <laughs> starting 1998, 1999, you can't do it anymore. You're right, because everybody's got at least a Palm Pilot. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm OK if you've got a character that's got like a, a sidekick. Is that what they called them? Like the one that just texted? Sidekick, yeah. Sidekick, yeah. The one, yeah, the, 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 yes, that's right. The ones that just texted, they, they just, that's right, sidekicks. Those would have been around <laughs> in the early 90s. <laughs> well, now that's a rabbit hole I'll end up down, that's for sure. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, 2007, not one cell phone. Not one, um, yeah, no car phones. I, no. I, I, by the way, saw my first cell phone in 1987. Nice. I would like to say my father had one of those brick ones that weighed oh. about as much as a car, uh, the size <laughs> of a of a tank. You know, used to carry it around in a freaking suitcase because that was all that you, you needed that to carry it around. Uh, had a portable computer too, a laptop at the time. It was a uh, compact. It was oh, wow. literally the size of a suitcase. Uh, weighed sixty four pounds. Sixty four pounds. Not. No exaggeration. <laughs> Had a screen the size of about what you see on a cell phone now. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I remember writing uh, writing scripts on an, it was, it was like the last gasp of the typewriter. It was an electric typewriter that had a screen of about 20 characters long. Oh, uh, yeah. But you could, you could type and then like hit print at the end so you could go back and make edits as long as you can make good editing at 20 characters at a time <laughs> scrolling through <laughs> yeah they the changed the name to word processor by that point yeah <laughs> that's right oh, let's it was back 1997 to the i was 1997 I, I seem to remember you needing to finish something for school there james and uh Needing somebody who had internet and uh, bringing you over to my place because we actually had it and uh, you didn't know anybody else. <laughs> I remember that. Getting you to use our computer, have our internet. I well, mean, thanks. these were the days. If you ever these need to days. use I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. We, 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 uh, I believe we had supper and didn't invite you. I believe oh, yeah. uh, you, oh, were just, uh, you were just right. uh, on the computer and you were eating. That does yeah. sound right, yeah. That does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we wouldn't really want to, you know, engage with you if we didn't have to. <laughs> Pro life. Pro life is the name of this thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Forty minutes in yet? Because let's introduce the 
the demon in the room. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. Forty we do minutes a... in, we we get introduced to the first even mention that it may be a devil baby. Yeah, because we, uh-huh. we know something's up. Uh, we know something's up because the girl is. Uh, it goes from being like about three, about two months along to to uh, to having what looks like a basketball in her stomach. Um, it is the most round stomach in the history of childbirth, uh, and uh, it, like I. But it, they do. They they let you. They play it out for a little while. And when she first starts telling the story of of uh, of ha- what happened to her, it feels like it's going to be an alien story. It feels like it's going to be a UFO story. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, so they they do tease that out for quite a while. And uh, no, I thought I thought it would be an alien to come down, and that's that's what it was at first too. And then mm-hmm. of course they mentioned the sound coming from the ground and shows a little bit of the, her being grabbed. And uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if anybody's surprised that demons are rapey. Um, <laughs> but she basically says he tossed me around like he wanted, like doing whatever he wanted to to me. And I thought, well, I mean, you know no reason just because you're a demon you can't uh, at least buy dinner first and uh <laughs> i don't know I, I i never went the alien route personally i i just ron merlin talking about god i immediately went oh it's sins baby oh yeah yeah that's true that well and everybody sense. assumes that it's perlman's baby at the beginning and even i was like yeah. is it you that's know, where the, the doctors go yeah. yeah that's where the doctors go that that because he's a redneck, you know, is the just basically the idea that it's incest, and and so that's kind of and you're like, is it? Isn't it? You know, would explain why he's so uh, adamant about getting this this her back, right? Yeah. But no, it's just because God told him to, you know, told him what to do. He prayed, and God told him what to do, and that was go kill people and get that girl back. Well, it's interesting that like he he constant Ron Perlman constantly says to everyone else like I want my daughter, but the voice that talks to him doesn't talk about the daughter. It talks about the baby. Um, so True. it's like he's the the voice doesn't care about and that. Sets up something which else. Is interesting, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, without it's, giving uh, too much away. Yeah, it's an interesting tension of the story of. Uh, uh, of just the way that this plays out, it is it is odd that a couple of characters, like two characters, I they I assume they die off screen. Um, they only had a line or two each anyway. Uh, and then the... I, I was wondering what happened to them. You're talking about when the three the couple the three mm-hmm. people escape. No, there's there's a there's two women that work there. I, Nick had mentioned. Oh yeah, like the that's right. There's like a uh, a secretary or or receptionist. Yeah. Receptionist person and somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I assume they died off screen because they they get a they get a glimpse of uh, of uh, the. Proud I father. assume they survive because the people that die tend to be dead. <laughs> That's and true. The innocent tend to survive, so I assume they survived, which is where I wasn't sure what happened with the other girl there for the for the and the mother. What mm. happened outside yeah. after he kills the after the the father is killed. Are those two also shot? Because all of a sudden, the the you know it just cuts to the inside, and we don't see what happens to them. Yeah, so. they uh, yeah that 
they yeah they also just exit the story rather than uh, uh, I I assume they drive away but you can also assume that they're killed uh, I guess it's uh, <laughs> it's dealer's choice so there's no there. reason uh, why he would kill the father and just let them go and go you know what see you later like <laughs> so I, I don't know I don't well, know. Like, well, there's, I'm not saying everything's perfect. I'm, what I'm saying is because Ron Perlman is so good and because of the way that Carpenter paces things and reveals things and, and just makes the most out of the least, yeah. you know, with the yeah. special effects and stuff, it's an extremely, extremely effective episode and one that I love watching. I, I disagree. I I just think you have a good performance and some really good effects, but the story doesn't hold. It's too agenda driven. At no point was I questioning. At no point was I even on Ron Perlman's side. I couldn't like. It just well, that it's it, not. It, you're not it, supposed it, to be it on his like side. It smells like propaganda, and I couldn't get around it. He he he, he shoots the completely innocent. Uh, security guard graphically in the head uh, and it was no, cool and it so was while, cool while but you know what you, yeah while it's not like you're like trying to present i mean he's the bad guy Every, you know sometimes you just need a bad guy to be the villain and he's the villain i maybe if i like somebody in the clinic i don't know i I, that I, and maybe if it was set in the southern states, I could get more on board. Wow. Um, as, it, as it was, I mean, there's some good stuff in it, but I don't think the story held. And introducing the supernatural element so late, I mean, this thing is only 58 minutes, and when you introduce the first mention of Satan is or the devil or the demon or whatever. Is at the forty-minute mark. I I think it's a weak choice. I well, I disagree. I, it's one of my favorite episodes, personally. It's uh, up I, to you, James. Where does it? Where does it fall? <laughs> You're the tiebreaker. I I I love that it's a that it's a man in a suit for the demon. Um, this is uh, it's something that's. Except for very low budget, it's basically vanished now, and uh, and it it's the argument that uh, that those look better uh, that you know a, a practical effect like that holds up better is true. It just like I watched a low like my I was watching a low budget horror last night that was CG, and I'm like, you, if you can't afford good CG, you shouldn't be using it because Agreed. it does like you're better off with a suit, like. You eh, you can get more mileage for the same amount of money um, with a suit, well, and that's and that holds. That. Like, yeah, I mean, I did. This didn't look like a Halloween costume. So, like this, uh, uh, that's the budget went into the <laughs> to the demon. So, um, I oh, think what film that, was it that uh, had the poor CG? I'm just curious. Crooked Man, I think was the name of it. Um, it's like half watching it. Um, was Easter, so of, of course we were showing a horror movie to a bunch of little children. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and that's why we do a podcast together. 
I mean, the, the youngest one's like five. That's that's plenty. Um, <laughs> uh, horror films can be PG-13. They can. They can. Uh, that's still... Say this one was. <laughs> yeah, but there's no such thing as PG-5. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, well done. Um, the original Poltergeist is PG. So, I mean, uh, yeah, five rules. You, you know. <laughs> Before they had a PG thirteen rating, I believe they should just they should just call the, that rating. This is your problem. Yeah. <laughs> R R is an our problem. PG is a your problem. <laughs> I, I will I will uh, uh, disagree with Nick that the. Uh, the reveal of the the supernatural part is actually one of my favorite parts of the structure of the episode because I do because there is that imbalance of was it Ron Perlman the brief time where it might be a UFO where it feels like it might be a UFO and then the reveal like I think that it changes the the drama of the episode or the movie and uh, um, I also think that Ron Perlman's character is so horrible but he's not the worst character in the story which is amazing because at least he's a person um and then yeah, this he, he, other thing he comes legitimately along. cares about his kids mm-hmm. that's and what he, kind of humanizes yeah. and he legit he legitimately cares about his daughter who cannot explain why she's pregnant um and wants to protect her um against abortion which he vehemently opposes uh, to a to a violent degree, um, but he believes that. Like he's, you know, he. Whatever your personal views on his opinion, it is his. It is his view. So, it's not an inhuman view, uh, but he's not. He's not oh, the and, ultimate and he villain. He does say, he does say, if they stay out of our way, we won't hurt them. Yeah, and he's he's being uh, his buttons are being pressed by the demon because he he truly believes that God's telling him to do these things. Uh, forgetting that other, that if uh, if God can, can uh, speak to your, to your, uh, directly to your brain, then so can other things. Um, I think if he didn't stop to perform the abortion, I could be more on board with you. Yeah, that's fair. It's a, it is, that is a left turn. Um, <laughs> it is an odd scene. Well, and yeah, I mean, not only the scene, like the scene itself is, is incredibly violent and disturbing. Um, but also that it's he has been so focused on getting to his daughter and then now that he's like 50 feet away he stops and has this yeah, other but, little thing but it it kind of pays off a little bit in a way that mm. that's where his son goes you know what, what i just saw was too much for me i'm out right like what you just did is it went too far went yeah. a step too far his, his other son is like i'm no longer i'm not following you anymore because of mm-hmm. that yeah. The sons didn't look anything like him. Wow. They have their mother's face. <laughs> Nobody has Ron Perlman's face but Ron Perlman. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh no. It just it just seemed like yeah, Vancouver Casting called sons. <laughs> what one of the the youngest son, the uh the the one that uh the is reluctant to shoot people in the back. Um, <laughs> is a, is a solid Vancouver actor. He is a that Bumper. guy is a 
like a very solid Vancouver actor um, and it has all the credits you would expect and was and is also one of the few people that was in both uh, Man of Steel and and Batman versus Superman <laughs> as it happens. Really? <laughs> uh, he's a, he play? He's uh, he's one of the talking heads on TV who uh, who uh, talks about uh, Superman in one of the news programs. Uh, he, huh. He's uh, uh, Glenn Woodburn. Uh, so he's a, he's you know play on Woodward and Bernstein. Uh, that he's uh, he's the one that leaks Lois Lane's story and uh, um, that Batman Superman. What I love is that you probably didn't have to look that up to find out. Uh, you've seen that enough times. <laughs> you were like immediately. I I did see it on his list, but I felt bad that I ne- needed to have seen that. Okay. <laughs> he's a little he's pretty cleaned up by that time too he said it's a pretty clean cut guy compared to what he is in that <laughs> this was 15 years later or 10 years later or whatever <laughs> not not that long yeah, yeah 10 years probably. regardless all right, all right. I, so uh so so not a consensus on this one uh but uh farewell to john carpenter i hope i hope that he found other projects to work on after this um that his career didn't uh, turn on it one way or the other. And, yeah. Uh, Cody Carpenter. The fact that the, did the demon music. baby looked so much like the thing went in was mm, awesome. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. that thing was creepy as hell. I think that was creepier than the thing. Like it wasn't. And it, its death was <laughs> kind of disturbing. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I agree with that hey, too. That's, if, if you ask me, if I learned something from this episode, I learned that even demons can love. Aww. You know, sure they may be a little rapey, but even demons yeah. have a heart. And uh, I learned that the that the demon looks more like Ron Perlman than his sons did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, was, maybe was it's this the before after Hellboy was what two thousand five, two thousand four. I'd say Hell, Hellboy would have had to be before this. Yeah. Yeah. But he's kind of a he's close to peak Ron Perlman at that point. I think he's oh yeah yeah when he when he really had turned into the because I mean Beauty and the Beast he was still kind of he was still a little soft edged uh, compared to uh, some of the stuff he did after. Now I'm oh, wondering yeah. if he ever worked with John Carpenter before. Um, because Ron Perlman just seems like so. a John Carpenter type actor. I feel like it's yes. <laughs> I, I feel like it's sure. no. But again, who knows, right? I mean, he if you look him, I don't want to, I don't think it's I want to look him up. It's probably got 200 credits or something. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, um, and it's, it's north of 200, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably 200 just from 1995, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, yeah. Too true. Too true. All right. All right. That was uh, pro life, and uh, we are off to uh, Dario Argento's Pelts. Is the next uh, episode we'll be talking about season two, episode six, and fingers crossed that the uh, the dry spell of uh, of uh, female nudity uh, finally goes away this has been that's a long long stretch um it's been tough on jack and uh 
<laughs> Tough poor Jack, too. That's right. It's <laughs> he's got both hands seen, occupied. That's when for you sure. say it's been a long stretch. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I got gotcha. Pelts. Pelts with a P is the name of the next one. Uh, we are the Cult Film Showdown, and we are on Instagram and on YouTube where you can subscribe and comment. Please tell us what you think of these episodes. Please tell us about the new fancy way that I'm putting the video up of the episodes. And uh, we are on Patreon. You can support our ongoing efforts. Uh, and uh, efforts, kind of, maybe that's a bit of a strong term, but our ongoing stuff, our ongoing doing of things. Uh, and uh, we are sponsored by WeTalkPodcast.com, the home of the Octagon. And they have a Facebook and they have a Twitter. And we will be back talking to you next time.